Welcome everyone to the ACL Athlete Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about everything related to the ACL, whether that's the injury itself, the rehab process, return to sport, and more. I'm your host, Dr. Ravi Patel, performance physical therapist and coach. Between myself and fellow guests and experts, you'll learn through the lens of the patient, the healthcare professional, and the coach. The goal of this podcast is to equip you the athlete, with the education to make the best informed decision about your care and your ACL journey. Thanks for joining. Now let's dive into today's episode. What is up, team? Welcome back to part two. Now we're going to dive into the back 10 of the red flags to consider in your ACL rehab. Here's number 11. Your clinic only has weights up to 30 pounds. This is three stars for me. In my opinion, no matter how great the clinician is, if you don't have the equipment available to overload your body, you're not gonna get stronger. No one gets stronger by just body weight movements continuously over time or even 20 or 30 pound movements. Sure, you'll build up to that and this is relative to each person, but at the end of the day, you need heavier and heavier and heavier weights to get stronger. It's the stimulus we need and the basic physiology and muscle hypertrophy. When you think about strength gains, this is all stuff that you have to load heavier in order to get stronger. Strength is the foundation of ACL rehab. And if we don't have it, it's going to be a big problem. And it's a big relationship between re-injury and what the strength numbers are, especially for your quads. So if your clinic only has weights up to 30 pounds, in my opinion, it might be something that is a short-term place to be. Otherwise, you have to get into a gym and you have to get to a place where it can load you better. Can't rely just on that. Number 12, you're doing a lot of balance exercises. Balance exercises have their place. Proprioception has their place. We want to work on these things, but as we have learned over time, balance does not build strength necessarily. We're looking to improve proprioception where our body is in space via balance exercises which leads into number 13, which is they're using a BOSU ball a lot. A BOSU ball is basically that ball is like like a half ball with a flat top and then it's blue and it is something where you kind of stand on and it is very giving like a ball. And so you're trying to focus on quote unquote balance. And while sure you can argue that you're training balance and some stability there, when you actually look at the way that we use balance, We actually want our stability on the ground and then we want to actually challenge our vestibular system and our vision in order to make sure that we're upweighting some of our proprioception here. So that's what's going to be important is we're trying to figure out, all right, well, how are we improving proprioception? Well, if we lose feel from the ground, that actually uh, takes away. So then we're relying on our other strategies of our vestibular system and our vision in order to balance. And that's not what we're trying to do. If we're trying to build proprioception at the lower limb, we want to make sure we can feel the ground and then challenge our proprioception in different ways. Basically, the BOSU ball, if you want to use it here or there, that's fine, but it should be 5% of your rehab. If you're spending a lot of time on balance stuff, big red flags here. 
exercises are the same since day one and not progressed. This is crazy how much I will hear this. Someone starts with a rehab provider and they're three months in and they're still doing air squats and straight leg raises. One of my guys that I've been working with, he finally got cleared. He's playing soccer, skating, all the stuff. It's amazing. He reached out uh, a couple of years ago, actually. And then we finally connected and he was five months post-op and he was still doing straight leg raises. No weight, straight leg raises at home. This guy was so strong and was not even being dosed appropriately. So basically what I'm saying here is that if you are still doing the same exercises and not progress, that's a red flag. You don't have any exercises outside of your rehab sessions. This is a three-star for me. In my opinion, there's a lot of time outside of rehab. Let's say you even go to rehab three times a week. That's three hours, maybe a little more in your week. Unless you're just absolutely getting crushed and working really hard like a training session, every single rehab session, you know, there's still stuff that you should be doing at home. ACL rehab is something where you just can't coast, especially depending on certain phases that you're in. So I would suggest that if there is not anything given outside of just what you're doing in clinic, to me, this is a red flag because you need to be doing stuff outside in order to continue to move the needle. And this should be something that is structured. So this leads me into number 16, which is a laundry list of exercises with no structure. So a lot of times people will reach out and will say, hey, like I've got 20 exercises and it takes me, you know, two to three hours to get through, or maybe they just don't do it or they kind of skip around. We've seen all of it. And there's no rhyme and reason to the structure of it. They've just been told to do this. You know, it's not even really dosed appropriately. Usually it's just a bunch of reps. And then there's not an intensity that's indicated. And so then therefore, it's like we're not really getting the stimulus we want. Also, depending on where we are in the ACL rehab process, it should look like a structured program. It should look like almost a gym training type program where you're like, all right, here's day one. Here's day three. Here's day five. Here are the things that I'm going to do in between. Here's the emphasis. Here's the rep sets. Here's the way that I'm going to warm up. Here's my main lifts. Here's my accessory stuff. And then there's going to be intensities associated that is hopefully building on the goals you're trying to work towards. And while I understand you're not going to get this perfectly dialed in program potentially with your rehab, this is something that's important. You got to be able to make sure that it's more targeted. We're not trying to shoot a shotgun, if you will. We're not just trying to like cover as much ground as we can. We want to be a little bit more targeted. So this is where having something like a sniper, if you will, being more focused, being more dialed in with your programming and having a rhyme and reason is going to be really key versus trying to attack everything at once. It's not going to be helpful. So you want to make sure that there's structure with it. Number 17, after your initial post-op stage, you're not loading into heavier weights. So let's say you've gotten past all the quiet knee stuff, you can walk, you have normal range of motion, your quads are kind of firing now, but you, all you're doing is just kind of body weight stuff and you don't start getting into heavier weights. Like, And this can come back to that point of the clinic not having heavier weights, so that's a limiter in and of itself. Or it could be just the skill set of the PT or maybe it's just something that they don't believe in. But in order to get stronger, you have to lift heavier. That's just a basic rule of thumb. You can ask any weightlifter, go watch people who are really strong. They are usually not doing body weight stuff. They're doing stuff that is loading them very heavily. So this is something that is a red flag to me. 
in your ACL rehab because a lot of times what we are guilty of in the rehab space is that you are being underloaded and then therefore it's deconditioning you in a sense. And then you're wondering, well, why am I not making progress? You feel like you're doing stuff because the the rehab provider has given you the stuff, but it's not enough stimulus to move the needle forward. Number 18, they say knee extensions are bad or stretch the graft. Three stars next to this, five stars next to this. <laughs> Tell me you're not up to date with ACL rehab without telling me you're not up to date. This is one of those. At this point, open kinetic chain is another way of saying basically what knee extensions are. If your provider is saying, hey, these are not good or they stretch the graft, walking has actually shown to stretch the graft more than doing uh, a lighter load of open chain knee extensions. It's the only movement that is going to target your quads in isolation. So it's very important for us to be able to work that in because our quads is the thing that suffers the most in our ACL rehab. So we got to make sure that we have that dialed in. So if your rehab professional is saying this, well, there's tons of research now that has come out to essentially disprove this myth. The other thing too is that, okay, sure, there's merit. You don't want to do a hard repetition maximum right after you just got a new ACL. It's a progressive process just like anything else. You're going to build up. You're going to get acclimated to it and see how the knee's doing as time goes on. But it is something that shows is massively beneficial for outcomes short and long term for the ACL rehab process. It doesn't stretch your graft unless you are completely reckless with it. Number 19, clearance is based on time and not a battery of testing. So I talked earlier about hop testing just being the person's uh, return to sport testing. Well, here we are coming back to time and mostly focused on clearance and return to sport. So one, time is important, but less than nine months, in my opinion, has no weight in it just because of the research that it shows us unless the person has accepted the risk reward of that. But in most situations, nine months is the minimum working towards a year unless research proves me otherwise at this time point. And then just not having a battery of tests. Maybe they do do the hop test. And as I mentioned, the horizontal hop tests only have very little merit. The other thing is that we want to make sure we're kind of assessing for the different areas. So imagine, again, like someone is graduating high school and the only thing that they may have gotten tested for is math, right? They don't know how they do in English. They don't know how they do in maybe history, all these other kind of areas that are important but they've only been tested in math. Well, let's say, for example, this person just did the hop testing. That's all they did was test math. We need to make sure that we test all the other areas and all the other criteria. So we need to make sure range of motion is tested, strength is heavily tested, and is the right test is valid and reliable. We need to make sure that we are assessing their capacity. We need to make sure we're understanding and seeing where their power output is with via tests if that's accessible for you, at least being able to look at their reactive strength index with some different drop, jump, and vertical testing. And then I think it's important to also include change of direction testing. So a 505 test, T-drill, 510-5 test. There's all these different tests that exist out there for us to see, all right, what does it look like strategy-wise and how comfortable do they look when they do some of these movements? Because that is going to give us insight into how the knee is doing, their confidence, and if we truly have a battery of tests that is objective, that way we have numbers associated with this, 
which is why Reactive Strength Index is so great to be able to get for our plyometrics and our jumping abilities to know, all right, well, maybe we have the strength, but do we actually have the ability to produce that and be able to load into our tendons and release that energy appropriately? And then the last one that I'm going to mention here is number 20, you feel lost and no clear direction. This is something that is actually very common that we hear. You kind of just go along, you're assuming that things are just kind of going to plan. And then you start to realize, man, I don't, I don't really know where I'm going. Or especially if you, you know, run into a road bump where you're like, well, I'm supposed to quote unquote be running, but I'm barely walking without a limp now. Or you're dealing with just like certain problems in this process, or you're just kind of feeling like, well, what is my next target? And your provider or your, your ortho or whoever is helping to guide your care doesn't really give you clear direction on that. So this is something that I think is a red flag and one that you could put three stars next to because if you don't know where you're going, man, that is so frustrating. That makes you just kind of feel really lost. And it's just something that you want to make sure you get in control of. And so this is the 20 different red flags that you can look at. Are these all set in stone? Like I said, no. There are certain ones that really stick out more than the others. But these are good ideas for you to look into where you probably are and seeing if that will really get you to where you want to be. And if these providers are kind of showcasing some of these examples, this is something to just take that pause and just say like, all right, is this something that I just do for now? Or is it something that I just need to get out? And the other thing that I'll mention is you know, choosing what's convenient and available versus what's needed. I talked about in the previous podcast, make sure that you're doing what you can for your care. I know some people are kind of like forced to be in a certain place with this. And I understand that. But if you have the ability to change, if you have the ability to make a shift and you know that and you feel that in your gut, do it. You'll be better for it. These are the 20 red flags if you guys have any questions, you know where to find me. I'm so sorry that this is not shorter than I expected because I just want to elaborate more versus just go down a list. So hopefully this is helpful, especially if you're starting to notice more and more of these things coming to life in your own care, make a change. Until next time, team, this is your host, Robbie Patel, signing off. 